Hi, this is Hannah. Welcome to the Great Unraveling podcast. I created this podcast as a way to explore and understand what it means to be a sensitive or creative soul and how to navigate all the unravelings that present themselves as we try to live in more alignment with our values and purpose. This stuff is hard to wade through at the best of times. So hopefully these conversations spark some new ideas and perspectives on how to unravel with more ease. Today I'm talking to Vienda Maria. Vienda mentors women from around the world. She supports them to break through self-limiting belief systems, to choose freedom, to overcome limitations, to manifest and create life on their terms. She says, this isn't about fantasy, it's about the beauty and freedom of designing your own reality. Vienda is also well known for her work in the realm of manifesting and specifically how this applies to finances and abundance. I have to be honest, I move between believing in the power of manifesting to wonder if I'm just playing make-believe. Some days it's easier than others to conjure up this trust in the universe or whatever it is you believe in, especially when I'm financially stretched. But then there are also these moments where I look back and I can see that even though I have often had my back against the wall financially and have felt incredibly vulnerable and stressed, the money has always arrived in some way. So if you're struggling in the money department, this conversation might just help you shift your mindset and open to a few alternate possibilities. Enjoy. Hi, Vienda. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I'm so excited to speak to you in more depth about a topic that I've been struggling with a little bit over the last few years, and that is the topic of money. Mm, It's a big one, and it's such a joy and pleasure to be here speaking with you about this. Thank you. No, it's it's my pleasure. I think we'll get some really great insights um, from this conversation. So I just wanted to start by asking you, what does money actually mean to you personally? Ah, such a good question. To me, money is a reflection of how I'm experiencing the world. So whatever's going on with money with me is a direct reflection of what's going on with me in general. Um, and so in that way, it's an incredible teacher. Mm. It's also an incredible way to support yourself and your dreams and your vision of the world and the things that you want to do. Because the fact is that we do live in a world right now that is essentially run by money. We can't do anything without it. Um, and third, so a teacher, a support system. I don't know. Maybe I guess it's energy as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so easy to just simplify it as sort of a material possession um, that we have and then don't have. It's, it's more complicated than that. And I love your insights around how money can be a mirror uh, in the way that it reflects what might be happening for us uh, internally. I love that. Yeah, so I've been following your work for a while now and um, learning from you and reading all your beautiful blogs around money and how to manifest it. And I know from uh, reading your website and your blogs that you haven't always had a great relationship with money. And I'm really curious, what led you to make changes to your money story? And how did you begin? Definitely starting my business was the trigger for me because while you're being paid by other people, you kind of don't have to take responsibility for your money. But as soon as you are 100% responsible for every dollar that comes into your bank account and how it arrives there, things really shift and you have to look at your money stuff if you want to make money. You don't have a choice. So for me, it was in the first year of my business where I was like, well, fuck me. (laughs) Uh, The flow is not happening quite the way I'd like it to. 
and I feel like I'm struggling. I feel like I'm barely making ends meet. I feel like I'm having to take on all sorts of different tasks. I'm not living out my purpose. I'm not living out my dreams. I'm not fully showing up in the way that I want to. And I know the only reason is because I have some serious issues around money. Um, And then I read two books. One of them was written by my friend, Denise Duffield-Thomas. And actually, I have to say the title of this book is not my favorite, but the content is amazing. And it was called Get Rich, Lucky Bitch. (laughs) So (laughs) I was just like, that is the worst title. I would never say that (laughs) But she gave it to me and I read it and it was actually really good. And it was exactly what I needed in that moment. And so that really helped me think about money differently in a more fluid way. Whereas before I was like, I I do something and I get money for it. And then I do something and I get money for it. And she's allowed me or helped me see money as a much more fluid, energetic thing that it's not about what you do that attracts the money, but how you feel. And so that really shifted things enormously for for me. So where I was in a place of like, oh, struggle and lack, struggle and lack with my business, I persist by persistently focusing on gratitude and by persistently just seeing the benefits of what I was doing and getting, I shifted from struggle and lack to, oh, no, like this openness started happening And with that opening and that relaxation and the gratitude, the money started flowing in. And one of the best tools she gave me actually was um, a monthly money tracking tool. And all you do is um, you write at the top of a page somewhere, you know, what month it is. And then every time money comes in, you write the date, how much it was and what it is. And it doesn't matter if it's a payment from a client or from a job or if it's five cents you found on the floor or if it's the $2.50 drink that someone gave you. Everything that you're receiving, you write it down in monetary worth because suddenly then your focus shifts from like, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, oh my God, these bills to pay, these bills to pay to, oh, look what I'm getting, look what I'm getting, look what I'm getting, look what I'm getting. And it's so powerful that within two or three months, my income actually doubled and then tripled. So that was huge. Um, The other book that I read was called Overcoming by Barbara Stani. And in this book, she kind of profiles, uh, I think it's 20 women who are wealthy as opposed to 20 women who are poor. And it's actually, it's really amazing. It's not even about the amount of money they have. It's about how wealthy they experience their lives. So some people might be earning 100000 a year and they're so in debt and they feel so poor. And then other women are earning 100000 a year and they're incredibly wealthy and they have all these investments and they own houses and all this thing, all these things. So like the amount of money isn't the key here, but actually what you do with it. And this book helped me really register and get clear on some of my money blocks. Cause I was like, I know I have money blocks, but I have no idea what they are. And I have no idea how to figure out what they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so she taught some Uh, she gave some examples on how to sort of get clear on what your money blocks would be. And one of the biggest ones for me was this deep belief that women, it's not a woman's job to take care of money because I was brought up predominantly by my grandmother and she was a typical 1950s housewife and she didn't deal with money at all. My grandfather would bring home the money and he would give her a certain amount to buy the groceries and the household things with every week. And that was it. She had no idea what was happening with the finances in general. All she did was go and buy the things that she needed for the house. And so what she taught me was that women, it's not a woman's job to take care of money. And so I had this subconscious belief. And believe me, if I had known that I believed this, I would have been like, I would have been outraged. (laughs) Um, And so I had the subconscious belief that one day a man would come into my life and take care of my money stuff. And that up until that point, I could just ignore it. I was not taking responsibility for it at all. And so if I don't take responsibility for it, how can I expect it to come to me? Because I'm basically pushing it away, saying, no, when a man comes, no, when a man comes, no, when a man comes. Mm. So, yeah, those were definitely my biggest turning points. 
Yeah, it's sort of, it's so easy, particularly if you're making your own money through your own business when the money isn't coming in to look at that as, you know, I'm not good enough. What I have to offer isn't um, wanted or desired. Or valuable. Yeah, (laughs) you can really go down this spiral of, self you know self-worth and going okay well maybe it's just not gonna work and I love that when you were learning about this it actually came down to a reframe so moving from this lack mentality to an abundance mentality because money is just one of many things that make Mm -hmm. our lives feel rich and full and make us feel wealthy um and it's really important i guess to not only just see that as you know cash and dollars but um other things as well that we're bringing into our lives and i love that and so often our stories are just so subconscious like you said you had you had no idea that you were walking around with this story um Mm -hmm. and i think you can't really in this day and age, um, get to a point of, you know, your adult life and not have some negative stories about money. <laughs> um, we all have them. <laughs> I know for myself, cause I'm, I'm a social worker. That's my background. I have this money story that all oh, social workers can't make good money because uh-huh. they don't, they don't make good money. They're not uh-huh. valued in society. You have to be a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, some other high paying profession to, actually make money and um i've just noticed recently how i've really let that limit um myself um in in what i can receive as well Mm. so i feel like that's quite a deeply socially embedded belief and it's not just Mm. social work but any work that is caring and supportive and nurturing and emotional And that's a lot of the work that women do in general is underpaid and not valued in monetary value as much as other work. Mm. And so a lot of the work that women do as healers, as mystics, as teachers, as nurturers is going undervalued. And so what the message that we're all receiving all the time is, it's not worth as much. You're not as valuable. You're not as worthy. You're not as deserving. Sorry. Mm. And so, of course, like we have to work through some pretty fat blocks here to get through that and be like, no, this is, it has to end here because that's not okay and it's not true either. Mm. Yeah, it sort of um, comes down to actually us, like people who are working in these um, healing, coaching, other, other professions to change the conversation, to, mm-hmm. to change those things because no one else will. No, exactly. the society is not going to suddenly go, oh, actually all these incredible, um, you know, gifts and professions and skills, they're worth something. It doesn't work like that. So the, the change, I guess, starts with, with us, which is what you were talking about, taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. not outsourcing your money problems to <laughs> a relationship or, you know, one day in the future when that kind of works out. So, um, yeah, I think I, I really think it's so easy just to get into that denial and go, oh, deal with that later. It's too hard or, you know, um, to take the courage to, look at your money issues, what's actually going on, no matter how confronting. There's some, something quite liberating in that. Mm, definitely. <laughs> but I have noticed, I have noticed um, really successful women who are kicking goals in so many areas of their lives, yet it's money. They keep stumbling across. So it's mm. like, um, you know, they've got, you know, a beautiful career or, you know, great health. They're living where they want to live. Everything's working, but they're still not being able to bring the money in. What do you think that could be about? I think it's a hundred percent around undervaluing yourself. I think it's predominantly due to a embedded belief that we have learned socially that we just spoke about around not being worthy of receiving the amount of money that they deserve. And, you know, it's really funny. 
every time I, my business grows or my income grows, the only reason it grows is because I've hit a block and I've got more work to do and more clearing to do. And I'm in this place right now, in this very moment, like this morning I was journaling about this. It's really funny. Um, where again, I've like come to this new level in my business and it's, and everything's fine, but I feel stuck. And I know that it's because there's a block here. And, and what came through for me yesterday so I was kind of meditating after yoga, after the full moon and everything. And it was again, like, and I was like, oh man, I thought I dealt with this. It was this whole <laughs> observability thing. Like it was just another deeper layer that had to be taken care of around what do you deserve? And this limiting belief system that I can only ask for so much. And then if I would ask for more, this deeply embedded guilt that arises out of me like oh my god like who am I to ask for more when I actually have it quite good mm. like how dare I do I deserve that and oh my god like I can hear my grandmother's church people <laughs> <laughs> saying these things but like these things aren't real those belief systems came about to control and manipulate people mm. not to support them and allow them to live their higher self and so we're in this funny place right now where we're this new generation of people who have emerged with uh, opportunity to make changes, to completely transform these embedded beliefs. And the only way to do them, do that, is by actually transforming them within ourselves. And in this hard work, like I sit there and I'm like, I have no idea how to get through this. Mm. And then the only tool that I know works effectively for me is something that I call crabbing out. So instead of allowing myself to follow through these thoughts of like, do I deserve it? I feel guilty, like blah, 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 blah. And the whole story, I just start bringing in a very simple statement that I keep saying over and over to myself, which is I am deserving. 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 And I repeat that to myself as much as I can. And I will continue to for the next month because I know that by bringing that statement into my subconscious, it will crowd out all of those deeper guilt and fear and undeserving emotions because they're being replaced by this new statement. And it's essentially brainwashing yourself, but with consciousness and with intention. <laughs> and it works for me over time. And it's often something that I actually teach as well because sometimes like you're like, I don't know how to get this out. And the only way you can get it out is by crowding it out. But with, with what you actually want to start believing. Mm, I love that. So those original thoughts came about because that's what you were told constantly. They're like, you know, don't ask for more than you need. Or, you know, you remember people saying that to you as a kid. And so those belief systems were just embedded into you. And the only way to change them is by replacing them yeah absolutely and I think even if you don't believe what you're saying to begin with it does cultivate trust when you're constantly reinforcing this concept that you are deserving so when you first sort of start to think about that it may, you know, you may not believe it fully. You may sort of Definitely. still be, oh, I'm just going to say this and see what happens. And, you know, mm -hmm. gradually you're, yeah, like you're building that trust with that, um, with that concept until you embody it much mm. more. I think the intention is to want to believe it. Like at this mm. point, I wouldn't say that I fully believe it yet because if I did, I would be experiencing the results of it. But the truth is, is that's what I want to believe. And so wanting to believe it allows it to kind of, you know, you open up space in your, in your mind and in that repetitive thought pattern for allowing something new in. But yeah, at the beginning, it's like you don't believe it. That's just mm. how it works. Mm, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it sort of leads on to my next question because I was going to talk about money and the idea of being able to receive. And mm. I think for myself, like I've always consistently brought in money and, um, you know, in, in my businesses that I've had, I've had um, a photography business as well. At first I felt really icky about asking for money and it took me a long time to just be really upfront and say, this is what I, this is what I deserve to get. This is, you know, 
I deserve to be paid for this, even if I'm enjoying myself. Um, and now as I move into my coaching and that work, that stuff's sort of coming up again as well. It's sort of that sense of, oh, um, you know, like you just don't, when you, when you get that money, you feel a little bit like, oh, like, are you sure you want to pay me for that? Um, <laughs> am I good enough? Can I deliver? Now there's this sort of a little bit of pressure, um, this receiving. And I think it, it's not just that, it's in other areas. It's sort of like compliments and positive feedback. And I've noticed myself, sometimes I recoil and kind of go, oh, oh, that's hard to hear, um, which is weird because why would it be hard to hear? Um, how do you think your ability to receive impacts the money that you are able to bring in? I think you've just outlined it perfectly. <laughs> if you're not able to receive, then you're blocking it. Mm -hmm. Actually, it reminds me of a story a long, long time ago. Um, I was living in Barcelona. I used to work for music festivals. And I did all sorts of like little odd jobs in between as well because I don't know, that just, that's just what happened in my life at the time. And I was managing the gigs for this DJ. And um, I was in between events and I was kind of short on money. And I, I was like writing in my journal, asking for money. I was like, I really need some money to come. I really need some money to come. And then this DJ that I was working for offered me a thousand euros as a bonus after he'd already paid me. And because the money didn't come from the place that I expected to, which was from some work that I did because it was arriving in the form of a bonus. I rejected it and I said, no, thank you, because I didn't feel that I could accept it, that it was the right thing to do. And so this is, this is such a like pragmatic example of not receiving. So imagine oh, like, yeah. money and then saying no to it because it's not arriving in the way that you think it should. <laughs> Holy shit. Like I think back at that and I'm like, damn, mm -hmm. if that happened again, I would say yes and I'm mm -hmm. But like at that time, I didn't know how to receive. I didn't know how to receive outside of the realms of like, I do work, you give me money. Yeah. So to answer your question, if you can't receive, you're not going to get it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, it's a work in progress for me. And I'm, yeah, gradually moving through that. And um, it does it does really show like when I'm in my um, open receiving state, I do find that money does come in more. So mm -hmm. it is just so interesting the way that works. I wanted to talk a little bit about money specifically in relation to investing in your own personal development. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I've seen a lot, um, you know, being in the coaching um, world is that often we are asked to invest in ourselves even if we can't see the money, even if the money's not in front of us. And I've always grappled with that concept because, um, you know, part of me sees what's going on. The underlying conversation is, you know, if you don't back yourself, the universe, universe won't um, come and support you but then there's another part of me that goes is this some just weird marketing ploy to get people to sign up to programs and invest in things and I'm just curious as to what you think about this idea of you know it's that sense of taking a leap and um, you know maybe doing something that has financial implications that feels really right or that you really feel called to do, but you don't have that money. How do you trust and should you trust in that type of a transaction? I'm really glad you brought this up because I grapple with it a little bit as well. And I think it really depends on the circumstance. Mm. There's two ways to approach it. One is that when you see something that you know is for you, but you don't have the financial means in that moment to allow yourself to say yes to it. There is other ways to get around that. And one of the things that I'll do, if there's something that I know in my heart I need or want, and I know it's for my highest good, is I, I trust, like I just use my intuition with that and I trust it. And I say to the universe, this is really important to me. So I'm going to put the steps into place to start moving towards that. And you need to show up and support me in it 
to allow it to happen. But I will not make the 100% commitment until it's shown up for me as well. Mm. I will start taking the steps towards it. So maybe I'll put down a deposit. Maybe I'll start looking at what needs to happen or how much I need to save, whatever it is, so I can make that investment. And then I ask. And you know what always seems to happen is if it's meant for me, the opportunities will show up. Mm. So the way that I use intuition is that I know my intuition is speaking to me because it's a gentle, very clear very simple and direct statement that comes from within me. Mm. And there's no like this or that about it. It's just like, it's either a yes or it's nothing, or it's Mm. either this feels good or it's nothing. When it's fear, it's repetitive, it's loud, it's antagonistic. It'll come at me with different directions. It'll be based on fear. Like, oh my dear God, you're going to miss out. Like this could be the opportunity of a lifetime. I know it's not for me when the voices are like that. And so it's really important to pay attention to your intuition and make sure the decision comes from a place of love and not from a place of fear. So if you're being pushed into a situation where you think you have to make an investment because you're afraid to miss out, it's probably not right for you. It has to come from a place of love where you're like, yes, this is an absolute yes for me and I'm going to do whatever I can in my power to move towards it and I'm waiting to be supported in that decision by the universe because she wants that for me too. Rather than where you invest something, invest in something and then you're like, well, now I have this thing to pay off and it makes me feel really stressed and uneasy. Mm. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, when you're thinking about maybe investing in something, that sometimes when you're being sold to, it's um, it can be a process of, outlining all the things that you don't have now that you could have because obviously yeah like you wouldn't do something unless it was going to provide something for you but mm-hmm. you can get stuck in that oh that kind of FOMO oh my goodness if I don't do that then I'm never going to get there if I don't do that I'm mm-hmm. never going to get there and it's like you said important to tap into uh what your intuition is saying it's like actually like what are you desiring here what do you do you really need this do you need this right now um but yeah it's just something i've noticed more and more in the i guess the yeah this world of self-development business world yeah Mm. and um i see like a lot of vulnerable people who Just I, I hear about people who have, for instance, just signed up to like 20 or 30 courses and they haven't done any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that worries me, this sense of, okay, like people are looking for something. It's this seeking and um, this kind of lie that, you know, you'll invest in yourself, it'll pay off. But no, mm-hmm. you have to be part of that transaction. You have to take responsibility and you have to really check in and see if this is for you or are you just trying mm-hmm. to feel something else so yeah Yeah, I think that's a really good point you make and it really comes down to like is this thing you're investing in going to help you take action because if you're just going to listen or if you think that just buying the course is going to magically fix whatever it it promises to fix you're wrong the only thing that's that can fix what you want to fix that you want to change is you taking action as a result from things that you're learning Mm. and that's I think that's the bigger question we have to ask ourselves before we invest in anything am I willing to first of all change am I willing second of all to take action and I and am I willing third of all to start doing things differently because if the answer to all of those is no then don't bother going Mm. there Mm. absolutely yeah um I want to take a different track now and talk about savings. I know from reading uh, your blog posts, you've really been able to cultivate this amazing um, relationship and perception of savings and you've been able to create savings for yourself. What has that meant for you? Oh my God, it's actually changed my life. It's really funny because I went through this big spiritual phase in my 20s and I really bought into the belief that when you need money, it will come. And it's true. Whenever I needed money, it would come. However, I spent a good deal of my years on the edge of feeling really anxious about money because I knew I would need some soon and it was starting to run out. 
and it was really unhealthy and it definitely um, affected my cortisol levels and my stress levels and it wasn't good for me but I didn't know any other way to be because it wasn't modeled for me um, I didn't have parents who showed me how to save money and I didn't have a belief system that supported me in saving money and then and I just had this belief that I thought was very spiritual that as long as I believed that the money would come I'd be fine and it's funny because the money would always come, but it was never that like I felt like I, I was fully supported or like I had a cushion. And then when I met my current partner, he was like the absolute opposite of me. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I think often we attract exactly who we need to learn from mm-hmm. <laughs> in order to find our own balance and, mm-hmm. and, and recognize lessons that maybe otherwise we wouldn't be able to learn. And he was like, there's no such thing as spirituality. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Whoever told you that the money would just come out of thin air was a liar. And I was like, well, I told myself that and it does. Thank you very much. I've proven it over and over and over again. (laughs) And by the way, he's actually really spiritual, but he just doesn't think about spirituality in the, in the words and the terms that we think about it. He's Mm. just really connected with nature and animals and things like that. So it's not an, a cognitive or a intellectual connection to, to spirituality, but it's a really physical embodied one, which I love about him. Mm. But so intellectually, he was like, you are full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so he was really careful with money because he came from a really different background to me. He, he's Canadian, but his parents were French immigrants who moved to Canada and they didn't have much money and they skimped and saved. And so that's what he was brought up with, like this incredible skimping and saving. And I was like, dude, you need to loosen up a bit. Mm -hmm. You know, we definitely rubbed up on each other. And he taught me how to hold on to a little bit more of the money than I did every time I got paid. And he didn't do it by telling me to do that. He did it by just being a leading example of how that worked. So someone who didn't have high paying jobs all his life, but had enough money for a house in his savings account, because he was very aware of the way that he treated money and he didn't just put it out into the world as soon as it came in the way that I did. He saved some and he kept some aside. And so slowly, slowly my savings increased because I just did what he did. I just copied him essentially. And after a few months, having like suddenly having $10,000 in my savings account for the first time in my life felt amazing. Mm. And it felt amazing not because I had all this money, but it felt amazing because I knew that if anything happened, I was going to be okay. Mm. And that is incredible. It changed so much for me. It changed the way that I viewed myself and my self-worth and the way that I viewed money because I just didn't have such a good, good relationship with it before and the way that I felt supported from it, whereas before I was like, oh, money doesn't support you. Um, so I think saving is actually a self-love practice. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting because I can relate to your story and um, I haven't been saving money diligently like I used to and I've got this little rebel inside me that, It's like, no, I want that and I shouldn't have to do that. And just rebelling against this concept of saving. But what I've come to realize is that when you don't have a a buffer or a safety net, you you don't actually feel as free. So Mm -hmm. it's just ironic that um, I know for myself I've been thinking, oh, I just want to be free and do things freely and not have to, you know, experiences are important to me and I just want to do all these things. But really it's not freedom if you're living in that sense of, oh, like just a little bit of uh, feeling unsafe, um, not feeling fully supported. And I know that when I've had savings, I do feel just relaxed, a bit more relaxed um, Mm -hmm. and a bit more free in um, the way I operate. And yeah. And the freedom comes from also then you can mm. actually say yes to the things that are really important, mm. whereas before you often couldn't. All mm. of a sudden you're like, actually, this thing that's just shown up, maybe it's an opportunity to invest in myself. 
it's not about, oh my God, do I need to push myself into an uncomfortable position to say yes to this? It's actually, mm. no, this feels like an actual yes for me. And I am gladly happy to part with my money and invest in this. Mm. And it's such a different feeling to like, oh my God, can I, can I not? How do I make these decisions? Having to say no to yourself so much because you don't have that buffer. Whereas when you have it, you're like, actually, I can say yes or no. And it's totally up to me. And I get to just connect with my truth and with my higher self and with my values and make a decision based not on whether I can or not, but whether if it's right for me. And that's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to go through that kind of draining process every time something comes up and you feel drawn towards it, but then you have to go through and work out, you know, can you really do this and go through all that process? You can actually just do it and you can feel free in knowing that you're, you've, you've cultivated that, um, that safety net and it's, yeah, it's amazing. And I imagine um, the opposite, which is debt, debt mm. um, <laughs> really that um, I know I've had, I've had debts. Everyone has debt in at some level particularly if you're living I know in Sydney um mm -hmm. the most expensive one of the most expensive cities where I live um you know there's a lot of pressure to um keep up and it is really hard to make ends meet and people you know sometimes you do have to invest um without having that money whether it's to actually have a car or um to you know obviously buying a house is a big one um do you think that debt, what, what effect can debt have on our um, abundance mentality? I feel that it's very draining. Um, I lived in Sydney for a couple of years as well, so I know what you're talking about. And I actually earned more money than I do now, and I had no money at all. <laughs> and I remember I had a credit card for a little while, and so I would like buy things on my credit card, and then it was, and when then I got paid, and it was time to pay off the credit card, and I felt like I was never fully catching up. Mm. It's weird chasing my tail game to a point where I was like, "That's it," and I cut out my credit card. I was like, "I'm just not going to buy things on credit anymore because it's exhausting having to pay that back all the time." Mm. And my life improved significantly with that decision <laughs> because it just wasn't supporting me in that in that way. Um, so, you know, debt can, it's really, I think it's important to choose how you think about debt mindfully because you don't want it to take away your joy and your happiness because it can be really draining. So I think um, if you are in debt, it's really important to look at it as something that you need to invest in every month when you pay it off so that you don't have that feeling of like, ugh. I'm paying my debt. Mm. But on an overall level, I don't think it's good for anyone. And as we can see on a global level, debt has been a huge problem for our economy and for the financial system. But at the same time, it's blowing open the truth of, of how our system works and how this culture that we live in, this consumer culture that we live in, isn't supportive for anyone, not for nature, not for humans, not for animals, and that something has to give. But, I mean, I think if you want to be a happy person, do your best to get out of debt as much as you can. And maybe that means living a slightly smaller lifestyle. And maybe it means moving. And maybe it means finding a way to earn more money. And none of those solutions are right or wrong it's really about figuring out what is aligned with who you are and your truth because I feel like a lot of debt happens when you're acting out of alignment when you're buying things that you don't actually need and you're trying to fill up a space that you that needs to be looked at rather than filled mm. Absolutely. Yesterday I was watching a documentary. Um, it's The Minimalists. The, um, oh God, I've been a, wanting to uh, watch that. <laughs> and um, oh, such a great documentary. It's just, um, I'll tell the listeners a little bit about them. The Minimalists, they're two guys who basically um, were earning really high salaries and, you know, they've ticked all the boxes. But um, one of the guys, um, 
was obviously he went through a um, period of time where his mum was diagnosed with a serious illness and he just made this change in his lifestyle and cut back everything and started living really simply and his best friend um, met him one day and was like, why are you so happy? What, what's <laughs> going on? Like, you seem so happy. What's happened? And then he was like, well, I'm doing this minimalist thing. And then his best friend got on board. And yeah, so they basically um, have a podcast called The Minimalists. And the documentary shows them um, trying to spread the word of minimalism around um, the U.S., just seeing the impact that it's having on those individuals. It's like when you're seeing their audience, it's like they've just dropped 10 kilos when they realise, oh, maybe I don't need three cars and maybe I don't need all this stuff. And um, they speak to someone who um, was really miserable in a high-paying job who went on to sell a couple who went on to sell their house and they just bought a tiny house, which is all the rage mm-hmm. at the moment, the tiny houses. And um, they're like, we're so happy now. Like, all you really need is, is this much and um, we don't have that extra pressure and burden. And, um, yeah, I think you're right. You've tapped into this uh, issue around debt and it's like, why do we keep just having to fill these spaces within us? Why do we have to keep adding more and more and more? Is it actually making us feel better if we have to keep doing that over and over again? And I know for myself, like... I don't live like I don't buy a lot of stuff um, mm. but I think there's definitely things that I can still take responsibility for and I think the theme of this conversation has really been a lot about personal responsibility mm. not just letting things run their course and accepting um, these things like oh well I'm never going to be able to um, make that money or I need three cars or all of those things. That questioning, questioning what we're doing and why we're doing it and what is it really offering us. Because, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I recommend watching that documentary or might make you think differently. I don't know if I could live with one suitcase. Like I think that's <laughs> a big stretch. <laughs> but um, it's certainly tempting to try um, mm. to see what that does. It's interesting because I'm actually coming from the other side of that. I lived in a van for a long time in my early 20s and then I've been traveling for 12 years. So I've essentially lived out of a suitcase for most of that time and I literally owned six like little box, not little, but like, you know, those plastic storage boxes and that's everything I own in the world. Mm. And so I've come from this place of, living really minimally out of out of a choice because that's what I wanted for my life to now being like okay I'm ready for a home and and what that means in filling up more space in the world and what that means with doing it consciously and not just wanting a big space but how can I actually do this in a way that supports my values and the world and my finances. It's a really interesting journey. It's so, it's fun. It can be fun, right? Like it doesn't have to be this painful um, process trying to um, work through all this stuff. I think we can actually be quite playful with it. And I know when I'm in savings mode, it's fun. It's like a game. It's sort of like, (laughs) how far can I get? (laughs) So what are your money goals in future like have you got any major beliefs or things you want to tackle like what are you working towards on your own money journey at the moment Hmm. something that has become quite apparent for me recently is this desire to be financially independent from a partner and it sounds really funny because I am in a relationship and we share everything and I love that but I also have this feeling that I want to feel really safe whether I was in a relationship or not and Mm. what would that take what would that mean on a financial sense and it's really fun because this again it goes back to the old conditioning that I learned from my grandmother around men take care of that stuff and learning to take responsibility around what it means to be completely independent in the world 
in terms of creating my own home because it's something that I, as someone who's traveled for so long, it's not something that I've done. And the reason I'm settling down now is because that's what my partner wants. And so we're doing it together. And it really, yeah, it's really interesting. So I'm learning about what would it take for me to do this myself? So how much money would I need to put a deposit down to buy my own house? And what kind of um, knowledge do I need, need to learn about investment and property and that kind of stuff. And so that's where I'm at at the moment. It's kind of an exploration mm. of pushing my own boundaries and limits of what I've done before into feeling more and more financially independent so that you know, whatever happens in the world, because that's something you can't control, I feel safe and secure through my own actions because I've taken responsibility for myself and my life. And I think that's what happens when you get older as well. You start thinking about the fact, you know, eventually I want to be able to have enough money to, to be able to take a year off if I need to or, or um, to buy a house by myself if I need to. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. So what would it take and what do I need and how much do I need to earn and how much would I need to save and what do I need to learn most of all in order for this to be viable for me? Mm. And it creates, I think, a healthier relationship because there's no reason to stay in something for money. So, you know, you know that you're with that person, you're with them for all the right reasons. You're not having to feel, oh, I'm trapped in this because I've gotten myself um, into a situation where I can't support myself financially. Mm-hmm. Or where I only feel safe because I'm with this person. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, um, I guess, something that... Um, I've seen in my parents and many generations um, in my parents' age group is that there was that um, uh, that model of the male was the breadwinner and then um, lots of unhappy man- marriages persisted because there wasn't that sense of um, freedom for um, the Women. mother if I'm talking quite typically to mm-hmm. go and do something on her own and which is actually another example of how money stuff is not really about money mm. it's about something much bigger often and money is just that thing that points to the underlying issues yeah absolutely and uh, yeah, I guess I would invite listeners to start making that inquiry around their money if the money isn't flowing, if it's not working, if you're getting triggered by money stuff or money isn't sitting in your relationship well, uh, having those conversations and being really honest about where, where it's at is the first place to start. Do you have any other advice um, for listeners? What's, what would be a good first step? If they're in overwhelm, the money stuff is in a mess, they're in debt, they don't really know what to do, they're feeling stressed, they're in a job, they might hate the job, but they're doing the job anyway. What would be one thing they can do now? I would say, can I give two pieces of advice? Of course. <laughs> Um, I would say one of them is open up a savings account that's titled self-love and every time you get paid, put 10% in it because when you start paying yourself, even if it's just like $10 a week, it doesn't matter, that energetically shows your, you and the universe that you are willing to back yourself, that even though you have debt, even though your money is in a mess, even though this and that, you are finally willing to back yourself and you're not letting it flow out in all sorts of directions instead of taking care of yourself because that's another it's another way of co-creating with the universe if you take one step she'll take one step but you have to take that step and so showing your showing that you're willing to support yourself and change your money relationship by supporting yourself with a 10 percent savings every time you get paid is really impactful Um, The other thing that I would really recommend doing is to practice gratitude. And I think lots of people who are trying to manifest money think they need to start practicing gratitude around money. And that's not true. It doesn't matter what you're grateful for. You can be grateful for the sunshine. You can be grateful for the beach. You can be grateful for the fact that you can walk. You can be grateful for the food on your table. Just as much as you can, practice gratitude because it really shifts your focus away from 
oh, my money's a mess, my money's a mess, I don't have enough money, and so on, to look what I do have, look what I do have, look what I do have. And that helps. And then at the same time, be willing to find solutions. Like be pragmatic, be a little bit practical. Money loves order. Money loves being taken care of. Money loves being respected. Think about the relationship you hold with money. If, if it's a mess, of course it's going to continue being a mess until you take the steps necessary to straighten it out. Mm, I love that. They're really simple things that you can put into place right now there's no barriers you don't have to get to a certain point Um, you can do it right now today so thank you so much for sharing that and um, if people want to work with you Vienda or learn a bit more about you can you tell us a little about a little bit about where we can find you and um, if you have any programs or supports that um, you're putting out to the world at the moment Mm -hmm. I'd love that well the best place to find me is my website, which is viendamaria.com. I also have a very active and fun Instagram account, which is also viendamaria. So that's a great place just to connect and reach out and learn more about me. Um, I do have a fantastic course that's relaunching in late March called Manifest More. And we have an entire week dedicated to money. And it's tends to be one of the most popular weeks of the entire course, um, which it, like, I'm still blown away by some of the results people have gotten. I remember one of the girls literally doubled her income within, I think it was three months. Another girl manifested $5,000 within 10 days. So it's like we've got some really great stories of people going through the manifest more formula and attracting the kind of money and income that they want, which is awesome. And I also do monthly workshops. So um, this month I've got workshop called the practical guide to your intuition and the universe coming up and again we spoke about intuition earlier it's about to connect to that wise voice that resides within you that is telling you what it is that you really need that sometimes we tend to just ignore because we think logical reasoning is more powerful and more important so there's lots of different ways to connect with me and work with me and play with me so just come and check check me out Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Great Unraveling Podcast. I hope that you got something out of this conversation. And if you did, I would love you to share this episode with your creative and sensitive soul-like friends. And for more information on The Great Unraveling and the supports I offer, you can head over to www.greatunraveling.net to explore some of my writing, my illustrations and my coaching services. And if you're feeling super generous and want to give back in some way, I would love if you could take a few moments to leave a review on iTunes. Thank you so much and have a lovely week.